I am the true vine, and my father, he's the vine dresser. Oh, no. Oh, he lifts up every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Now abide in me as I also abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. No, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, oh, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't abide in me, you're like a branch. Ah, it's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my word abides in you, oh, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Oh, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, and abide in his love. I've told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and so that your joy may be complete. Amen. Thank you, Jeremy. Would you turn and greet somebody near you? Thank you. It's nice to be back together again. <laughs> Sean, will you come on up and teach us this morning? All right. Well, thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Jeremy. That was fantastic. And good morning. How many of you know the name Polycarp? It's a good name for your kids. <laughs> Uh, Polycarp. I know we've mentioned him quite a bit, I think, from up here, so you probably remember him. 
Uh, Polycarp was a disciple of John, John the Apostle, which means that Jesus discipled John, John discipled Polycarp. And around 150 AD, Roman authorities discovered the 86-year-old Polycarp in an upper room. They wanted to find him. They found him. And they dragged him into a stadium in Turkey where Polycarp would face either lions or a burning stake. And from an eyewitness account, we read that the proconsul tried to persuade him to deny Christ. He said, have respect for your old age and swear by the fortune of Caesar. Polycarp refused. So the, po- the proconsul urged him even strongly, swear and I will set you free. Reproach Christ. Polycarp then famously declared, 86 years have I served him and he has never done me any wrong. How then can I blaspheme my Lord and my Savior? And shortly after these words, he was led to the stake. Now, the the martyrdom of Polycarp connects to the Gospel of John, and especially to John chapter 15, which Jeremy just acted out. In this text, Jesus makes his final audacious I am statement in the Gospel saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So how does Polycarp connect to John 15? Well, primarily it's his name. Although no one knows how he got his name, his very name is a reminder of John 15. In Greek, poly means much. And carp means fruit. Every time his name was said, and is said, anyone within hearing distance would have thought of bearing much fruit. And of course, his story still bears fruit today. For the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. So for us today, what would it mean to be a polycarp, to bear much fruit? Oh, and what does it mean to abide? Those are the questions that we will explore today as we study this famous text in John. So let's pray. Well, Father, we need your spirit to open the eyes of our heart, to show us how to be faithful branches, and to bear much fruit. So it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, last week we ended chapter 14, where Jesus commanded us to not be anxious, not be afraid. He's going away. He had told his disciples he was going away, but he will send the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, who will be with us and in us forever. He will take up permanent residence in us to teach us and remind us of all things Jesus. And he will bring peace, the love of God, and fearlessness when he takes up residence in us. 
Now, as we come to chapter 15 in this famous text today, we have to keep the Holy Spirit in mind. The Holy Spirit lies behind all that Jesus says today, from bearing fruit to abiding. But before we get into our text today, I want to address a curious phrase at the end of chapter 14. Jesus finished chapter 14 by saying, rise, let us go from here. (laughs) No one really knows what that means, except that it appears Jesus and his disciples now leave the upper room and begin walking outside. So from this point forward, it would appear that they're walking through the streets of Jerusalem. And perhaps as they are walking, they walk by a grapevine or even a sculptured grapevine. And it is known that there was a large golden grapevine sculpture on one of the temple doors. So it could be Or could it be that Jesus walks by this grapevine and he begins to explain his vine metaphor? Possibly. It's speculation, but maybe that's what happened. So let's jump into our text today. I invite you into John 15. We'll begin reading with the first three verses. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So we'll stop there. We'll just make a few observations about these three verses. First of all, from the beginning of Jesus' metaphor, much weight is given to the purpose of vines. What's the purpose? To bear fruit. To be a polycarp. To bear much fruit. So already in these first three verses, Jesus mentions bearing fruit three times. And of course this makes sense because a vine is not there to look good. A vine is not there to look better than the next one. A vine has only one purpose, to bear grapes. Just like an orange tree is there to produce oranges, and an avocado tree is there to produce avocados. Bearing fruit is absolutely key to our text. Secondly, In describing the vineyard, Jesus begins by saying, I am the true vine. Later, he will simply say, I am the vine. This is the seventh and final I am statement with a predicate in this gospel. And as we come to this one, I think it's helpful to to see this one in light of all the others. And I'm going to walk through this pretty quickly, but I I just think it's really helpful to see the other ones in light of I am the vine. Jesus is the vine, but the vine is also the bread of life. Bread is essential for life. So abiding in the vine is essential for life. The vine is also the light of the world. Light keeps us from walking in darkness. So abiding in the vine keeps us from walking in darkness. 
The vine is also the good shepherd. The good shepherd leads the sheep in love, kindness, grace, and mercy. So abiding in the vine means to be led in love, kindness, grace, and mercy. The vine is also the gate. The gate provides safety and security for the sheep. So abiding in the vine means we have safety and security. The vine is also the resurrection and the life. Abiding in the vine is to have resurrection life. A life which is no longer bound by death. And the vine is the way, the truth, and the life. Abiding in the vine is to be on the way, which is the way of truth and the way of life. So seven, I am statements culminating in I am the vine. And by seeing all seven or the other six through the vine imagery, we get a comprehensive picture of who Jesus is, but we also see the extraordinary gifts that Jesus provides through our abiding through our attachment to him. So Jesus says, I am the vine. Now, as many of you know, the vine metaphor has a rich history in the Old Testament. In fact, the vine is the most pervasive of all symbols for Israel. And in most of these passages, we find the vine is highly favored. The vine is greatly cared for. But the vine is also corrupt. In Isaiah, which we read for our call to worship, God looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only worthless ones. And God really wants grapes. Now, the worthless one there is literally rotten and stinking ones. In Jeremiah, God says, I had planted you, Israel, like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt, wild vine? Israel of old forgot that she did not exist for herself, but to bear fruit and focused only on herself. She bore worthless, rotten, and stinking fruit. Isaiah goes on to list some of that fruit. Injustice, greed, decadence, self-reliant wisdom, and many more. This is the worthless, rotten, stinking fruit. So God, the great vine dresser, plants a new vine in his world. Jesus is the new vine. He is the true vine, the authentic vine, the genuine vine, which means there are no other vines. There are no other vines. There is only one, Jesus. What God wanted his people to be, he now becomes himself. He is now the vine to bear the fruit in the world. And he calls us to be branches. To be branches in him he, and he in us to bear that fruit in the world. 
the Father really wants fruit in his world. He really wants fruit in his world. He really wants polycarps in his world. And we are the branches to bear that fruit. Now in those, these first three verses, Jesus describes three characteristics of us, the branches. First, he says, we are in him. We are in Jesus. There is that blessed preposition again. In. Can you say it with me? In. Again. In. Yes. In Jesus. As a branch of the true vine, we are in Jesus. Number two, we are clean. Every branch that is bearing fruit is cleaned in order to bear more fruit in the Father's world. And three, we will bear fruit. We will be polycarps. That's a promise. Now, I want to spend some more time on this part, on the bearing fruit, because... According to the ESV, Jesus says in verse 2 that those branches in him that do not bear fruit will be taken away. And those that do bear fruit are pruned to bear more fruit. What does Jesus mean with this terminology? Taken away and pruned. Well, first of all, taken away. What does taken away mean? Especially when the branch is in Jesus. Well, I don't think taken away is the best translation here. The Greek word behind this phrase can mean taken away. But the primary meaning is to be lifted up. To be taken up, not taken away. So in chapter 5, Jesus says to the lame man, take up your bed and walk. So the lame man took up his bed and walked. Same word. Here in chapter 15, the implication is that the branch is on the ground. It's on the ground and needs to be lifted up so it can do what it's supposed to do bear fruit. In other words, the branch isn't removed from the vine. The branch is in Jesus. It won't get discarded. It'll be lifted up so it can bear fruit. Now, I've been told that according to experienced vine, dresser, vine dressers, new branches in a vine are known to trail down and grow along the ground. But they can't bear fruit down there because they get covered with dirt and with mud and then um, disease sets in. So what does an experienced vine dresser do? The vine dresser doesn't remove those new branches because those new branches are far too valuable. They're far too valuable to remove. The vine dresser lifts them up, cleans them off, and ties them up so that they can do what they're supposed to do, bear 
fruit. So when the great vine dresser, the father, sees a branch in the vine falling to the ground, father doesn't remove it and take it away. That branch is far too valuable. Because that branch is in Jesus. So what does the father do? He lifts it up, cleans it off, and enables it to bear fruit. Enables it to be a polycarp. The father really wants fruit in his world. Now later in this text, verse 6, which we'll read in a moment, we do hear that those who are not in Jesus will be taken away and burned. But they're not in Jesus. In other words, it's possible to hang around the vine but not be in the vine. It's possible to be a regular churchgoer, to serve at the church, to be a pastor or an elder, and yet not be in the vine. And that's our warning, to be in the vine. Because there will be judgment for those not in the vine. But here, in verse 2, the branches are in the vine. So they're lifted up, cleaned off, which enables them to bear fruit. Now this also means that those branches who are bearing fruit can join the Father in his ministry of lifting up and caring for dirty, muddy branches. Those who are polycarps can participate with the Father in his work. I think sometimes, maybe it's just me and my prideful brokenness, I'm tempted to kick out those dirty branches or take them away or just give up on them. But no, this text teaches us that they're far too valuable to give up on, to remove. They're far too valuable for that. So we can join the Father. All of you polycarps out there, you can join the Father in lifting them up so Jesus can wash them clean and they can bear fruit. After all, don't we all end up in the mud every now and then? I think so. So what about pruning? Yikes. That doesn't sound like fun. In a world that idolizes comfort, at every level, pruning is not a welcome word. Difficulties and discomforts are not welcome in our lives. Yet, we don't get very far along the Jesus way before painful pruning begins to happen. Sin, sorrow, sickness, suffering, loss, bereavement, disappointments, and on it goes. Pruning. But in Hebrews 12, we discover that God disciplines us for our good so that we can share 
in his holiness. Someone has said the gardener is never so close to the branch as when he's pruning it. So don't worry about pruning. It's not a sign you're out. It's a sign you're in. The father, the great vine dresser is coming so close to you to get stuff out of the way so you can grow and bear more fruit. Even much fruit, like polycarp. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, let's hear Jesus' invitation, verses 4 to 11. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So what is Jesus' invitation to us branches? Abide. Abide in me. Jesus uses the word abide ten times in these eight verses alone. It's actually a favorite word of John as well. And abide, abide is a rich word, meaning to remain or to stay, or even, as the message renders it, make this your home. <laughs> make Jesus your home the place where you're continuously returning to, the place where you stay overnight, the place where you're nourished, the place where you're safe and secure, the place where you're at rest, the place where you're loved. Remain in me continually, Jesus says. In other words, don't just plug into me on Sundays and unplug the rest of the week. Remain plugged into me Remain connected to me. Remain attached to me, Jesus says. It's impossible to overstate the importance of this text for understanding the nature of our faith. It's just impossible. Some commentators re even read an urgency behind the invitation. Hey, branches, abide in me. Make this your top priority in life. If you're a Christian, this is your primary manner of existence. You're making your home with Jesus. You're developing your relationship with Jesus. You're yielding to him. You're depending on him. You're abiding in him. And you're removing all, all that hinders that relationship. This is urgent, Jesus is saying. 
This is what it means to follow me, Jesus is saying. Last week we talked about how the Spirit paraclete comes and brings us peace, love, and fearlessness. And I'm sure many of you were thinking, I don't feel that peace. I don't feel that love. I, I'm still afraid. I'm still anxious. Well, if you don't feel the peace of Jesus, hear Jesus' invitation, abide in me. If you don't feel his love, hear his invitation, abide in me. If you're fearful, anxious, struggling with addiction, whatever it is, hear Jesus' words. Abide in me. That's his invitation. And it makes sense, doesn't it? If the primary purpose of a vine is to produce fruit, it cannot happen unless the branch remains in the vine. See, the vine pours everything it has into the branches. It holds nothing back. It holds nothing back. And if a branch disconnects from the vine, it is nothing but a withered stick. Nothing but a withered stick. It has no life. The branch can do nothing as a withered stick. It has to remain. It has to remain in the vine. And this, of course, signals a death blow for those of us who think we are strong and capable and self-sufficient. We are, in fact, nothing but a withered stick left to ourselves. I think the two big questions that arise from this text are, so how do we abide? And what is the fruit? How do we abide and what is the fruit? So let's talk through these two big questions. How do we abide? Well, there are all kinds of answers to this question and some of the specifics will depend on how we are wired some of us are visual and artistic some of us are cerebral and analytical some of us are introverts some extroverts some of us love to read some of us don't so how we abide can look different in different people but i think there are some primary ways of abiding now, in this text particularly, we find two ways. One, obedience. Obedience. We abide by obeying Jesus' commandments. Verse 10. As Jesus obeys the Father, we obey Jesus. As Jesus demonstrates his love for the Father through obedience, we demonstrate our love for Jesus through obedience. Number two, his words. We abide in Jesus by his words abiding in us. Soaking in his word is abiding in him. And if we open up this further to the entire gospel of John, I think John hints at several other ways of abiding. 
And he hints at it by using this term in particular places. So it's used in verse in chapter 1 when two disciples are having a conversation with Jesus. How do we have a conversation with Jesus? We pray. So I think prayer is a way of abiding in Jesus. In chapter 4, abide is used when the Samaritan woman evangelizes her community. And they all invite Jesus to abide with them. So we abide in Jesus when we engage and participate in his body, the church. So a little girl says to her mommy after church, I love Jesus, but I want Jesus with skin on. That's the church. We are Jesus with skin on. Not that any one of us are Jesus. It's just that's how we want to be like Jesus to one another. And this particular speaks to our culture right now where we, 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 we've tended to fall in love with the live streams. And we don't have the live stream one for this service, but I would encourage you to continue to come in person if you are able, to come in person, to participate, to engage with the church. Because uh, we abide. We abide when we participate in our community, our local church, the body of Christ. In chapter 6, Jesus says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. We abide in Jesus when we take communion. It is so important to take communion regularly. So important. Don't miss it. We abide in Jesus when we take communion. So those are five ways, but I want to draw your attention to one more. Watch Jesus. Just watch Jesus. Read through the Gospels and watch Jesus abide in the Father. See how he does it. He lives in such intimacy with the Father that he knows what to say and what to do. In fact, throughout John, we've heard him say, I only, see what my, I only do what I see my Father doing and I only say what I hear my Father saying. So watch Jesus and learn from him as he abides with the Father. So there are six ways. Six ways to abide. There are many, many others, uh, but I think those are six primary ways for all of us to abide so that we can bear much fruit and be a polycarp. So what is the fruit? Well, maybe this saying will help. Grapevines bear grapes. Good. Orange trees bear Oranges. Avocado trees bear. Good. The Jesus vine bears. <laughs> I heard somebody bears Jesus. It's the answer to every question in church, right? The, the Jesus vine bears Jesus. The life, the character, 
the deeds of Jesus. That's fundamentally what the fruit is. That's it. Now from this text, we get three specific fruit of the Jesus vine. Number one, love. The clearest sign we are abiding in the vine is that we love one another as Jesus loves us. Number two, joy. When we abide, we have joy. Joy is an unmistakable sign of abiding. As Jesus delights in abiding with the Father, so we delight in abiding with Jesus. And you know what? Joylessness might be a sign that a branch has become muddy and needs to be lifted up so Jesus can clean them off and they can bear fruit. And number three, realized prayer. In verse seven, Jesus says that for those who abide in him, they can ask whatever they wish and it'll be done. Now we already saw this in chapter 14. And we said then, realized prayer is a common theme throughout this entire discourse. So, does Jesus mean that when we are abiding, whatever we ask for will be given to us? I don't know about you, but that's not, if that's what it means, that's not been my experience. So, let me try to help around, around this difficult theme. I think, I think that it means that as we abide in him, we begin wishing for what he wishes for. We begin desiring what he desires. The more we abide in him, our prayers are shaped by our abiding. And our prayers become consistent with him and with his desires. His will slowly becomes our will. After all, grape branches wish for grapes. Orange branches wish for oranges. Avocado branches wish for avocados. And Jesus branches wish for Jesus' wishes. So those are three specific fruit. There are many others. If we look beyond the immediate context, from the Gospel of John, we get things like living in the light or walking in freedom, freedom from sin, freedom to love. And we get worshiping in spirit and truth. If we look at the other gospels, we find descriptions of life within the kingdom of God. So, for example, in Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, the whole sermon is an example of fruit. At the end of the sermon, Jesus even says, you will know them by their fruit. And what's the fruit? The entire sermon, but especially the Beatitudes. In the Beatitudes, we find the fruit of abiding to be poor in spirit, meek, merciful, being a peacemaker, seeking uh, righteousness, um, and on and on. That's the fruit of abiding. And if we move further into the New Testament, of course we get the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those things began emerging in us as we abide. As we abide. And it is through these fruit that the Father is glorified. See, the Father really wants fruit in his world. Now at this point, I think it's helpful to hear one more aspect of fruit. When we walk through grapevines, we never hear the grapevines grunting or groaning to produce grapes, do we? I don't. Grapevines don't have to grunt to make grapes. Grapes come naturally. They come naturally as long as the branches are well connected to the vine. So if we branches stay well connected to Jesus, if we abide continuously, the fruit will come. The fruit will come naturally as long as we make our home with him. So as I close, I'm going to invite the uh, worship team up. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. He it is that becomes a polycarp. Because the Father really wants fruit in his world. This is urgent. Bearing fruit is urgent. Make abiding your top priority and watch the fruit grow. Amen. Now receive this benediction. This week, may the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ fill you with his spirit so that you may abide in Jesus as he, the lover of your soul, abides in you. And watch the fruit grow. He really wants fruit in his world. And he is faithful and he will bring it to pass. That's a promise. Amen. Go in peace.